0: Hello everyone! Here is Daniel Albadai with a new episode of our e-commerce podcast, and today I'm here with uh, Kyle Koster. He's the founder and crafter at uh, Range Leather, and uh, very exciting story today because uh, he's in the U.S., Wyoming, in a in a not as a big uh, city, let's say, and uh, they really focus on uh, leather products, uh, leather artisans, basically. And uh, if you check their websites and you can do it, because I will put the link into the description, their uh, product quality, it's, it's very high quality products, basically. So that's their focus. And he will tell us more about the brand and the products. Hey, Kyle, how are you today?
1: Good morning. How are you? Well, I guess yeah, it's not we... morning, your time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's afternoon. <laughs> yeah. So where to start? Um, I'm just really curious, uh, when did you start this business? Is it a family business? So maybe you are not the first generation or uh, how how did it start in the past?
1: Sure. Yeah. I, so I started uh, solely looking for a hobby. Uh, I actually had another business that was injection molding plastic uh, guitar accessories. Um, in, in Asia, and I was looking for a hobby, something that I could do uh, with my hands and I could iterate quickly upon, meaning I could make one um, design of a product and then the next day make another one and, and make it better um, and, and really focus on quality. And, and so I started solely as a hobby on my wife and I's, uh, our dining room table. So a very small space. It was like a two person table and I would just clear it off and uh, get a piece of leather and, and start, you know, crafting and, and learning the craft. So I started eight years ago. Yeah. 2014 I started. So eight years ago now.
0: Okay. And how, how did it turn into a business?
1: Yeah. Great, great question. Uh, I don't think it was the, this was not my intent to turn into the business that, that it did. Uh, but we started on Kickstarter. That was in the days that Kickstarter was really, uh, and crowdfunding was really prominent and started with a wallet project. That's when everyone was doing wallet projects. And so uh, I started with, with the easiest thing and I made a wallet. And so I showed it to some of my friends and they're like, oh man, I would buy that. And I was really interested in the hand saddle stitching part of, of making the products because I had learned in the trade that that is one of the reasons why uh, leather goods last or don't. Um, And when hand saddle stitch is something that you're going to carry and use every day, um, you you get the quality. It takes longer, but the quality
0: is there. Mm. Okay. And uh, so you started out with this hobby back then, and then you went to Kickstarter. And um, what was your motivation there? I mean, what was the goal with Kickstarter, raising money or more about the feedback or both? And how much time uh, did it take to, you know, fund the business, getting customers and and also make a living on this business? Sure. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, just to kind of fast forward you through the, those years. So we started on Kickstarter solely just to sell a few products and see if it would actually, if there was market um, demand there for handcrafted leather goods uh, and and so started there. We also started doing little craft shows and markets. And so pretty much from 2014 to 2019, we did small markets. I mean, one year we did plus markets, um, and pop-up shows. And so really just trying to, uh, grow the brand. So people would recognize, uh, we started actually in Washington state. So it was a little bit, my wife was in, in, uh, a doctorate program up there. And so, uh, I was really had a lot of time and so just kind of started crafting just to, just to see if, again, if there was market demand and if, you know, we could, actually make a product that people would want to buy. I know for many people who uh, have made products on the crafting side, when you uh, see people desire to buy your products it's a very weird situation and circumstance because you're like you really want to pay money for something i made and so those years were really uh, just slow i mean we hired our first employee in 2017 um and 2016 i believe we hired our first employee and so just kind of grew really slow from there just when i needed help with with demand you know we got our e-commerce side of things and shopify uh going and but it was slow i mean we were doing no paid marketing all the way you know up to just two or three years ago and um and then which i think was what we're going to focus on today just we we purchased a building here in our little town and we were able to turn that building into our headquarters um and so that was we purchased it in 2019 and moved in, in in 2020 and so that gave us 5,000 plus square feet of space. And we had been working in a shop behind my house, uh, totally grassroots, you know, 500 square feet uh, from that point. And we had five or six crafters. But once we purchased this building, um, we really could see where we were going. Uh, We had space to both produce and space to sell the product, fulfill e-commerce, all of of that. So that's really kind of the catalyst, I think, for growth uh, Mm -hmm. there.
0: Yeah. So... At the beginning, you didn't intend to make it a business and a full-time thing for you, right? But also, you once it became a business, you didn't want to make it an e-commerce business only because I think most e-commerce business owners, they think about the traditional e-commerce, Shopify, Facebook ads, Google ads, and then scaling the the traffic, do some email marketing, and so on. But uh, you went to trade shows, you really learned the, the craft, and... I uh, know you also have a uh, showroom in your town and uh, you are also brick and mortar so let's talk about it more like uh, what what uh, legs your business have when it comes to marketplaces
1: Yeah of course I think that's one of the ways that that our business is unique and and part of the 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 way that our business is really set up which is different than most is right we are both the brand and the manufacturer so we take the product from the raw material to the finished goods and we, you know, and we also have to do all the marketing on the brand side. And so, one of the ways that we found to do that um, was just to, yeah, have as many sales avenues as possible without, you know, stretching ourselves too far. So, obviously, e-commerce, which is our largest sales avenue, just uh, as the brand has grown, um, is one. Uh, another one is our storefront, our showroom. Basically, we have the way we've set it up um, is that. When people walk in, we're right in our downtown. I mean, we're in a town of thirty thousand people, so it's not a big town. And the next town is about an hour away. So it's a you know the, in name the middle of, the of Wyoming. Place? It's called Laramie, Wyoming. Okay. Yeah. So the next town would be Cheyenne, which is the capital, and and it's about 45 minutes away. So it's it's a small town, but we're in a historic downtown area. We bought this building that had been, it was uh, built in the 1890s. We did a full renovation on the building to turn it into, like I said, what we wanted. And so the way we set it up is people can walk in off the streets. There's a showroom that they would walk into, and the showroom opens up to our crafting floor. And so while they come in, because a lot of our brand is telling the story of that, you know, our tagline is leather goods that last. And the reason they last is because they're crafted, you know, with uh, by crafters that are trained how to do things well and right and not compromise on quality. And we use premium materials. And so we wanted people to be able to experience that. Uh, as, as they walked in and they purchased a you know, $75 wallet. And so we've set our crafting space up adjacent. And the other part that we do on the business side is that our crafters are actually our retail people. We used we tried to hire Hmm. retail staff, um, but it didn't work as well because they didn't know they didn't have the connection to the product like all of our crafters do. And so our crafters rotate through, um, you know, a half day, essentially a a week of doing of doing retail. So not not very much. It's it's 20 percent of their time at most. And when they're doing retail They're also able to craft as well when there's not someone in the store, but they get to tell that story of the leather goods. So that's, that would be another avenue, um, would be our, our showroom and storefront. Um, and then we do, um, a lot of wholesale. So we are using fair and our own, uh, platform for wholesale. So to boutiques, um, and that kind of thing around the country. And I think we've started into, into, um, into some other countries just, just recently here. Um, and then, so that would be the third one. Then we do a lot of private labeling of our leather goods. So we could refer to that as custom. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but, um, we don't do custom where it's like, Hey, I want a saddle bag for my Harley Davidson, but we do custom where it's like, Hey, I want my corporate logo on some leather patch hats. And, the hats have been a, a huge catalyst for growth in our business. And so that's kind of like the B2B side uh, of our business. So those main four uh, legs are, are probably uh, the, the core and bulk of our business.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that uh, you, you hired retail people or you tried retail people, but it didn't work out well. And I can see this as a trend more and more that uh, companies, they either uh, the crafters are the retail uh, people staff because they understand how the product was made and especially if you strive for high quality I think that's a good approach Um, but if you cannot do it maybe because you are such a big organization I know a few here in Europe and what they do they have a, a teaching program for multiple months I know a supplement company they are the third biggest in Europe and that's what they do and of course the retailer cannot manufacture the product because he's not in a protein factory or it's hard to you know do it but uh, they visit the factory and they learn about it so I think that's that's amazing when you you as a buyer as a customer you talk to them and they can answer all of your questions very precisely and even scientifically sometimes so I think that's that's great
1: yeah, I do think that there is a a desire for the consumer to know more about the product that they're consuming regardless of what it is. I mean, I think if you ask most people they would think that, you know, a wallet that you bought at Walmart would be made on a machine, but those wallets are still going to be made in a cut and sew factory in Asia, you know. And so really what differentiates it and what we need to, you know, on our side of things is teach people about the quality of the craftsmanship, the hands that are making it and the, the quality of the materials that we're using and, and why it will last forever.
0: Yeah. What is your uh, price range? You mentioned the Walmart uh, wallet and I don't know how much is a wallet in Walmart, but compared to that, like, what's the difference?
1: Sure. I would think like in, in US dollars, you know, 20 to $25, you could buy a, wall, a wallet mm-hmm. at Walmart or Target, um, which it's, if you think about where you would buy a wallet, that's, there's not a lot of places that like pop to your head. It's like, oh, I'll go there. So most, I mean, there's a lot of, of wallets being purchased uh, online because of that. Um, and so ours are probably three times the price, you know, on average, we have some less, some more. Um, but you know, we also offer uh, a lifetime guarantee. We call it our forever guarantee. Um, so if anything ever goes wrong with, with it, we'll, re- we'll either um, replace it or re- restitch it. But we've had only in, you know, eight years, a handful of quality issues. We really focus on making sure we can back that up with the quality that we um, put out there. I know a lot of brands just offer a guarantee because they just deal with the customer service side. But ours is truly based on um, mm-hmm. on prioritizing quality and, 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 and making sure the product does last.
0: Yeah. I want to ask a question that I'm sure many people would like to know who uh, use leather products. So what is the lifetime of a leather product? What can we expect?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great great, great question. So to understand leather a little bit more, you have full grain, top grain, genuine and bonded leather. Uh, so you, you have, kind of have to first understand a little bit uh, about the the. The type of leather I should say. Um, but basically the the world sees genuine leather as as the highest, sometimes the highest quality because of just maybe a lack of information or the way that the industry branded leather. But genuine leather is is genuine leather. It's truly leather, but it's genuinely the lowest quality of leather. Um, top grain and full grain are are gonna be closer to the cow's uh, like hair. Um, and so that is going to be like, what's closest to the, the exterior, uh, and furthest from the, the meat. And it's going to be the toughest if you would imagine. Mm-hmm. And so you see a lot of, you know, full grain and top grain leather go into the automotive industry to the, sh- the, the shoe, um, footwear industry, that, that t- sort of thing. And, and so we use exclusively full grain leather to, to, uh, to give that quality. But really, I don't see if it's, if it's made of full grain leather and it's produced in, in a way which is one of the reasons we do a lot of hand stitching um which it's hard to explain the benefits there but you're you're literally punching holes and you're weaving two threads of two needles back and forth lacing it back and forth through the leather product um i i if if I always explain it as it's about 6 times stronger than a sewing machine that has a lock stitch um, mm. on it. And so I don't really see why. I mean, I have the first wallet that I made 8 years ago and everyone tries to buy that because it looks great. You get a great patina on it. You earn your patina over the years and and, and it gets better with time and and one of our taglines is crafted to wear in, not out.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't want to dive too much into the product details now because sure. this is Primarily a marketing podcast, but I think that's also sure. an interesting topic. Uh, your your products and how you make them. So you mentioned the four legs of your business, and um, what wh- what are the ratios there? I mean, you mentioned e-commerce is the biggest one, but uh, you mentioned others, and uh, you have the showroom, the brick and mortar, the the B two B side, and what are the ratios when it comes to revenue from each source?
1: Yeah. And it's hard to break down for us, it could because there's a lot of bleed over. Uh, for instance, mm-hmm. like we our fair wholesale runs through our comp through our Shopify now, you know, and 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 those sort of things. But just to give you, I'll just give you a rough breakdown uh, on it. It's, so it's we're split about fifty percent um, leather goods and fifty percent um, leather patch hats. So we have a lot of our business is our leather patch hats. And of the leather patch hats, we're split about fifty percent our own brand and fifty percent um, doing B two B stuff, having businesses put um, their logos on it. And we sell all this, you know, when we do that, we're selling it at a wholesale price. So, so a business can walk in and get a, you know, a custom leather patch hat with full grain leather, like I'm explaining, for fifteen dollars US per piece, and the minimum order is just twenty four units. So, in 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 America, it's hard to even get an embroidered hat at that price. And so you're getting this, this, this heat stamped debossed um, logo into leather um, for, for $15. And so that's, that's made up a huge part, which would be kind of in that B2B side of side of things. And so uh, e-commerce is, you know, is, is, is about 50%, you know, um, of the business, the rest, the rest comes from when you're talking about the sales avenues. You know, the rest comes from it's about twenty percent of our walk-in traffic in, in the store. Um, and we're, these other numbers are also very difficult because we've been growing about two x every year. So you know, when I look at this year, it, it's 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 changing a lot because our store hasn't increased our as much as our e-commerce side, if that makes sense to you. So a little bit all over there on the numbers, but yeah, that's. Hopefully some idea of breakdown.
0: Have you thought about Amazon or or it's not your thing? Say again? Have you thought about Amazon selling on Amazon or? Oh, yeah, we
1: have. The, the one difficult part of being the brand and the manufacturer is we would have to work so far ahead to have inventory for, you know, Amazon's warehouses. Um, so I think eventually there's certain products that we would like to get on Amazon um, and our CEO, Tim, he you know, I think we would we, we it's in our long term strategy. Uh, we're not opposed to it. Uh, not all of our products would ever would ever be there, um, but we have to work on production enough ahead to have a thousand mm-hmm. units descend into a warehouse where for us right now we are able to maintain um, our crafters uh, on our leather side we have about 10 crafters and our apparel side about the same thing uh, uh, there but we would have to work so far ahead we're we, we're make to stock so we do carry stock a- in our basement um, but you know it's gonna be maybe a hundred pieces per skew but and nowhere near mm-hmm. enough to go into a warehouse
0: yeah but it's definitely something you want to look into. Sounds like that. Yeah. Because reason yeah. why I asked, because I uh, talk to, you know, brand owners who really strive for high quality and also high prices. And uh, many of them, they don't uh, favor Amazon because uh, sure. it's very hard to differentiate yourself on Amazon. Uh, people, they look for the price and there are so many products, easy to find them. So it's very different when somebody goes to your website or even to your uh, brick and mortar store and they are surrounded by your products and your staff and that's just the whole atmosphere you don't have it on Amazon and if they don't yeah. like it they can just find something else very quickly
1: you got it and i think i think the strategy is, like for a brand like ours would be to curate a certain handful of products that would fit amazon best that you're not going to you mm-hmm. know if we put our leather bags on amazon for 300 us dollars And then you are sitting next to another tote made in, you know, Mexico or made in in China, like for a hundred dollars there's no way that, that we're, we're going to compete because people don't know the value proposition of, of the quality of materials and the craftsmanship and the lifetime guarantee. But there are certain products, like especially our leather patch hats, things like that. Our, our American flag leather patch hat is our number one selling product. And for instance, that would do well on mm-hmm. Amazon and we would have, the, we would have the, uh, the margins to definitely do that.
0: Yeah, 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 that's great. And uh, regarding e-commerce... And uh, Shopify, so how do you acquire your traffic? What works for you the most?
1: Yeah, I mean as everybody knows uh, you know the the landscape is definitely changing uh, and changing drastically um, we're our most of our ad spend right now is is between facebook Instagram and then and then Google um, our Google shopping actually for our hats, our leather patch hats works well um, for for our higher quality items um, we're still finding Facebook and, and Instagram, uh, working the best. Our, our COO, Tim, he came over from an agency world as, as a, as a buyer, an ad buyer. And so he's, his, he's really skilled at that. And so we're definitely him and I, and our strategy are, are, are leveraging that, but we also see, you know, we're trying to diversify as, as, as the name of the game is.
0: Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, I'm just curious if you can see some overlap between e-commerce buyers and and the you know offline buyers. Can you see overlap there? Like, uh, someone goes to the store, and then later they uh, Google your name and they buy online. How common is it? I don't know how much data you have on this.
1: Yeah, on the tracking and the the yeah. Um, so. You know, we're using Clavio on the email side. We do have a flow for anyone that purchases and signs up. And honestly, everyone pretty much buys a product in our store because they now understand the brand and, and the values. As they, they want to know. They want updates and, and that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. so, um, and so we are able to you know, build segments based uh, upon that. Uh, as far as attribution of those people coming back and you know purchasing on our e- e-commerce store, you know, we haven't we haven't dug in too, too deep on that on that side. Uh, uh, I know that the, the name of the game is attribution and that sort of things. We're using a bunch of post purchase surveys as well. You know, once people check out on e commerce, um, and and that that is helpful to to know to help us know. But it's more so just kind of a, a guide in figuring out what's working um, at the time, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think attribution is a huge topic now, and I talk when I talk to people who, you know, they are both uh, offline and online. And then I asked them about attribution, like nobody has an idea at this point, yep. maybe in the future. Um, I think there are smart ways how to convert people to online, like a QR code or some kind of loyalty program, and then you can see them in Clavio or in Shopify. But uh, yeah, it's, it's still a very new area. And then not to mention Amazon or Walmart if you are there. So, yeah i yeah. think
1: kind of how and, and and not tim our coo handles a lot of this and and so what we're kind of breaking it down into new customer customer roas is basically what we're looking at um is is really in the acquiring new customers just across the board you know if they've never purchased from us because everyone's everyone's uh you know double dipping in attribution you know google says they you know they acquired the customer facebook you know all the way across everything and so and also you know you start doing we advertise on a podcast now and so who knows if they mm-hmm. use the code on the podcast or if they you know come through a facebook ad that they got retargeted on and, and so it, we're just kind of looking at it as a whole as new customer OS as and what our break even and our margins are that way and then you know going forward it's you know, yeah. where the traffic's coming from is, is is a hard one
0: yeah 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 makes sense you mentioned klaviyo so um and let's talk about email marketing because i think for brand building that's very important um also do you use sms marketing is it something that you use and regarding email how do you use it like uh, you mentioned a few flows but um email campaigns or, or what's your approach
1: yeah, I think, you know, on SMS stuff, we're trying to do things like our hat drops, things that are more kind of like, for instance, we just did, you know, for for Christmas, we're going to do a 12 days of Christmas sale. Um, and each day we're going to have a say, you know, um, some sort of sale on a, you know, a product that. Uh, that for those 12 days and we're going to do that sms as opposed to email um, and that sort of thing Uh, one thing i didn't mention is our brand you know really as a premium brand we actually until this year we've never we've never done any sort of discounts this year is the first year Mm -hmm. that we've ever done a a discount Um, and so we've decided to kind of you know as as a lot of it is actually for attribution right because if you don't use a discount code how can you track things And so yeah. we we were really kind of forced because, you know, we really view ourselves as a premium brand, obviously, with the products that we have and sell and make. And so we will never discount more than 15 percent, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we only do that once a year, kind of at, at Black Friday time frame um, now. But yeah, so we we've we've started uh, down that route, which has opened up more avenues than it, there were before. Um, when once, because we can provide codes, we can get attribution that way. But yeah, as far as, uh, you know, using Clavio um, and then for us, we really want to add value whenever we're doing an email. You know, we, we really want to be, um, explaining to the customer how, you know, how we're solving their problems of, and, and, and as opposed to how we're selling them stuff, you know? And so if we're not adding value, which really try not to just send an email that's like, Oh, here's some more things to buy from us. But really, you know, whether we're highlighting uh, a way, a reason why our products last the new product that would, you know, help that customer succeed and enjoy the products and, you know, or, or find something that, that, uh, that they need like for instance we we launched a leather sunglass strap here in, in Q3 mm-hmm. and they go on any sunglasses that you know and it's it's a premium uh, there's a lot of nylon ones on, on the market and so yeah. um we have a, a premium leather version and so there's a lot of people that are like oh man that that would both look cool and it would keep my sunglasses around my neck kind of thing so we really try uh, on our our content to to add value
0: yeah makes sense And uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask you, what is your Black Friday strategy? But then you shared quite much about it. So I think that's the perfect time to give some discount. And uh, I think once a year, that's fine. Um, Yeah. And I I have one more.
1: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. We were going to run... For Black Friday, we are going to run a elongated sale through um, Black Thri- Friday through last ship date, um, as opposed to uh, in the years past, we've tried to do bundling and things like that to not mm-hmm. give a site wide discount. But yeah, that's and I know you're seeing lots of brands, like even today, the beginning of November, lot launched their pre Black Friday sales. But I, I, just couldn't do it. <laughs> I was like, yeah. it's too early, you know, for me. And I, it may yeah. work on an e commerce basis, but a brand side, you know, I, I'm really particular and of protecting the brand to feel premium and and uh, we were just having a conversation like those you know black friday sale extended it's like if you if you're going to extend the black friday sale just just do it from the start you know i know they're all call to actions to you know finish one day and then then you have extend sales and things like that it are all marketing tactics tactics for me i i really like the 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 communication, honestly, with the customer, you know, and that side of things. And, and, and every, every customer yeah. hates the, the discounts where it's like, oh, it was this price that one day and the next day it's a bigger discount because, you know, sales are tiering and stuff like that. And then you have to decide on the customer service if you're going to refund them that or, or whatnot. And so we're clarity in our messaging is really important for us.
0: Yeah, makes sense. What we do with uh, a few brands is that we extend the Black Friday but uh, not for everyone and not the uh-huh. site, you know, the whole, for the whole website, but only for the VIP customers or subscribers, because we know That's that they cool. listen. They they actually open the email, they read it, they react. So we know that they listen and uh, we give it to them one, two weeks before. It depends. But for the rest of the people, we, we don't because it really devalues your brand and they don't even care as much. So, yeah. It won't. Sure. But those people who listen, I think it's really uh, it's effective. Yeah, that's yeah. a good strategy. I have one more question to you. Uh, so, what would be your number one tip to e-commerce entrepreneurs who, let's say, they have a Shopify store, but uh, they are thinking about you know adding more legs to their business, more branches, just as you did. Now you have four. Maybe opening a uh, physical retail space, a brick and mortar. Or maybe maybe adding a B two B side of their business. What what should they consider? How is it different than a traditional Shopify store, and uh, what are the pros and cons?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think a great question to wrap up on. I may monologue for a, a little bit on because uh, I have two of those. Uh, two yeah, suggestions ahead. would be those two, um, and just just. I wrote uh, just kind of a case study in an e-commerce platform, um, e-commerce fuel, which is I'm, I'm a part of, and 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 the case study was about, uh, you know, what adding a storefront. A showroom or a product where people can come um, to, regardless of of the business can really do for for a business i mean we we increased um, last year when I wrote the study about twenty percent of revenue was added um just across the board with in my opinion zero costs because our crafters are doing retail or if it's employees maybe it's a, you you also are you know pick pack and ship in a facility. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when a customer walks in, you know, they, your pick pack and ship staff could, could someone could come up and greet that, that customer kind of thing. Um, And so there's, there's a lot of different ways that, that people could do it. Cause I understand that every business is a little different. I mean, it could be behind glass, but if you're already going to spend the money on a physical space, which we all know is getting more and more expensive for your business um, that there is, Oh, I believe that there could be some way to increase incorporate um, a place where customers could walk in off the street and if you're choosing a place for a warehouse or something like that, could you choose a place that has some sort of foot traffic you know as a po- place that, that that doesn't And so you know we've really that has increased we have no ad spend against those sales. So those sales are way more profitable, you know, probably twice as profitable as, as another sale because we have no ad spend against them. We have no labor against them. Um, and we already have the space. The space is a sunk cost in the business because we couldn't manufacture a pick package ship, you know, without having a, a physical physical space. I mean, we were blessed um, to be able to buy a you know the building, so you know we're not renting because it's a small town, real estate is not super expensive, but if you are renting, you know you could you could think about maybe that could offset some of your some of your rent you know in and what does it, it hurt and and I know there's a lot of details that go with it, but it has really helped our business and 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 I do think that about ninety five percent of people that walk into our storefront buy something, which is insane if you're talking about a conversion rate it's, I mean, it's crazy. So, um, even people that are just walking by because they happen to be downtown to eat at a restaurant and they just saw the building. I mean, now, granted, we put a lot of money into, you know, repainting the exterior, making it look like a premium place where people would want to go to, but yeah, it's, it's the conversion rate is insane uh, on that side of things. So that would be one. Um, and then my second one would be, you know, Every, and every business is different. So you're trying to blanket, you know, give advice to e-commerce entrepreneurs, you know, uh, when you don't know everyone's business, but, you know, adding some sort of uh, the ability, and it doesn't have to be wholesale, um, but something that you could, you know, corporate brand. I mean, like a good example of is, uh, you know, everyone's familiar with like Yeti and Arctic, right? Arctic has a custom shop Uh, for coolers inside of their business where you can customize a cooler with very easily. It's built. The e-commerce side is great. You know how well it's built um, that you can come in, drop your logo in their product. They have a minimum, that kind of thing. And, And they're definitely uh increasing um uh, sales based op- upon that i actually just ordered some coolers with our range logo on it for the winner of our fantasy football staff uh um uh, this year so the the winner is going to get a cooler from arctic that has range you know on, on the lid that they've done in their custom shop and and that's essentially what we've done with our um our b2b side is we you know I, so much of our business is these custom leather patch hats. And so we can take, like I was explaining to you earlier. And so we can work with anyone I and mean, we, we, we do orders into the thousands of units and we can work with big corporations um, that sort of thing. And then the same way on the, you take one of our journals that hold a, uh, you know, a moleskin journal and a pen and a business card It's called our Princeton journal. We, that is a very common product that people come to us and say, Hey, I want to get, you know, 12 of these journals for my managers, for my business. And, but I wanted to have my logo stamped in. And, and so we stamped their logo into the front and into corporate branding. We, we offer a 20 to 25% discount. So our margins hold, they're, they're better than traditional wholesale on that side of things um, because we don't have the traditional wholesale margins on all of our products, but we can do uh, a corporate branding uh, side. And so that really, you know, whether you sell pencils or Gym bags, whatever it is, you can. I do believe that you can work that in and open up new sales channels based upon that. And and we're, you know, we're working to build out um, sales teams now. Our uh, our apparel side, our custom hats, hat. You know, we have um we have a crm implemented we have things where we can start prospecting reach out we have you know and we're building that out on the leather goods side um because we don't really have we're just kind of servicing people as they come and they reach out or they come into the store or they send us an email um for that so we're building out these these internal teams um to do this because of because of that sales channel is growing with our business
0: who who are the leads there uh businesses or or yeah
1: yeah businesses Mm -hmm. but oftentimes it's funny oftentimes the business is someone that is purchasing d2c from us online Mm -hmm. do you know what i'm saying so they so i can't tell you how many times that said hey i bought one of your leather patch hats that had you know we do a whole state collection so we have every state out there and so they say hey i was in florida and I bought one of your leather patch hats with Florida on it at a boutique that we wholesale to. So that's one of the, you know, and we have a sticker and they went on our website and it says custom, right? And they see custom hats and they come and they say, Hey, I actually own this construction company. We have 120 employees. I'd like to order hats from, for, for my customer or for my employees. Um, we also have people that sell, resell the products because for, you know, for the hats, we have enough margin to do wholesale and and have a custom logo on it so we have stores you know uh that do uh, a custom logo and then resell them and and big chains i mean big brick and mortar chains pick up our stuff so that so our customers kind of they kind of overlap and they merge uh Mm -hmm. because they could start as d2c or they could just be a business looking around for cool swag that's you know made in america
0: kind of thing yeah that makes sense Uh, i mean uh there are people in businesses, right? So there are humans in the businesses as well. And, uh, they don't care if they are D2C for you or, you know, B2C or, or B2B B. end of the day, they will just purchase. So I think, uh, nobody should categorize people and customers too much because they actually overlap in many cases. That's important. Yeah. Um, I think you, I really like how you built up both the B2C side of the business, but also B2B relationships and both sides seems to be really healthy. And uh, And I think many people, they ignore, especially the B2B e-commerce part. And uh, just, a, just a hint for everyone, I think corporate gifting is an area where everyone should look into if your product could be a corporate gift, because that's a huge market and the order values the cart values are really high as well so i think that's really it's ignored by many businesses so
1: yeah absolutely and i know that many businesses get into problems when they do too much right we we know that as entrepreneurs right and so one of the ways that that we're trying not to do that is when a business comes to us and says hey i want you to make me a leather this for my business and put my logo on it well if it's not a product we we already make we've tried it in the past we end up losing Mm -hmm. money on the project right Mm -hmm. and so what why i'm saying this is because i'm it's not the wisest thing to to you know, take every you know person B two B person that comes in, or corporate gifting person that comes in. But if it's yeah. already your product that you're making, you know, maybe it's you buy a laser and you do it aftermarket. You know, you if you if your stuff is not manufactured in your own facility, but you have something that you can do. But but I think you know, for us, that's where we found success. It's not making custom products, but customizing the stuff that you already sell.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, thanks, Kyle, for sharing your story and all of these really helpful tips today and, and uh, tactics, strategies. Thanks everyone who watched the live stream on LinkedIn or Facebook or will we, we listen to the podcast in the future. And uh, also, I will add all the links into the description. And I will also add one link where uh, you can find a Clavio uh, email marketing mini course uh, created by me and uh, everyone can check it out. It's free to download. And uh, thanks again, everyone. Stay tuned. Every week we come out with a new episode.